it always is, I always look forward to coming here to Life Church X because we are a part of this. You know? I mean, we feel, and you make us feel this way, first of all, Pastor Matt and Katie and the rest of you feel a part, but we feel, we take it personally, you know, feel, we feel we're integral part of what's happening here. And so I'm excited about uh, that this thing's on the upswing. You know, God's moving and touching people. I mean, it's exciting. You've come through this whole last season, you know, and which has been very challenging for really every church. And But, you know, sad to say that there are so many churches that have not really recovered. And, uh, and it's taken a lasting uh, hit. And, uh, but, you know, here, it's awesome. You know, you're blessed. You know that you've come back strong. And, uh, and I just think that just uh, portends some wonderful things for the future, for this house. Amen? All right. Are you all excited? You're going to shout me down today? Hallelujah. Shake that bush again. Y'all remember, did I tell you, you remember that? Shake that bush. You remember? I preached, I remember years ago when I preached at the first African-American church I ever preached at. Is it down in the inner city of St. Louis? I was a young preacher at the time. and So I got up there and started preaching. And, and when I started preaching, there was this, there was this guy that on the second row that when I hit my first good point, good strong point, he jumps up, stomps his foot, and he says, shake that bush again, Pastor. <laughs> I said, I've heard amen, praise the Lord, preach it, but shake that bush again, Pastor. And he proceeded to do that over and over again, you know. Uh, and there was another guy over here that just, he didn't say anything. It's weird. I hit a good point. He just stand up and he go, <laughs> just. I mean, it was awesome, you know. And so, man, if you just kind of shake that bush a little bit, it'll help me. It'll make me preach better. I want us to do this. I want us to read Acts chapter two, uh, and. You know, I want to try to conserve our time because I get a little long-winded, and I want to, uh, so let me just read little parts of this, if we can. In Acts 2, verse 1, although all of this is so wonderful and so important, Acts 2, 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And uh, I want to stop there, and I want to take, and maybe if they can keep, I don't know if they can follow me on this and that screen, I didn't ask them to do this, but instead of reading all this, you go on down, and you find there that as the Holy Spirit fell, there are all these 15 different languages, different nations came together, and they heard them all speaking in their own language and tongues, this unknown tongue, 
And as they did, if you go on down further, it said that they were all this, all this crowd that was looking on were devout Jews, okay, from all over Jerusalem and Judea. Now, just register that in your brain, okay, in your heart, because I want to bring it up later. So, remember that. They're all devout Jews that are watching on. That's significant. And these devout Jews say when they see all this, now look at this. Here's this great roaring sound, this wind, mighty wind, these shafts of fire falling on the people, and then them speaking in this heavenly language, you know, and also, you know, there was prophecy and, and dreams and visions and all these things, and when they summed the whole thing up, these devout Jews, they said, these guys are drunk. They're full of new wine. Now, that's significant. So, Hold on to those things, and then with the fact that when you add that to the fact that when Peter stands up, he stands up and he said, you want to know what this means? And he goes back to the prophet Joel. Now, here's what I want to do this morning, and let me just build this case real quick. First of all, you've got to know that in our first service, I really went to great lengths for about an hour, and I won't go an hour to, to the afternoon, so don't worry about it. I'll go an hour and 10 minutes. All right. No, I won't. Anyway, but I went to great lengths to lay out kind of like the case for um, for what all of this meant, okay? And if you, if you look at verse 1, now, now notice this. If you couple these things together and, and in verse 1, it starts out, uh, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Now, I was praying and studying over this passage. You know, really, I've, I've done it for months over the last year, months and months and months, because God really laid this on my heart that there is a, in other words, I have a passion anyway to herald wherever I go to people that that Christ wants the church to be a full gospel church, a Pentecostal church, a, a spirit-filled people. You know what I'm saying? You know, if you have just, you know, the Christianity, the gospel, you know, without Pentecost, then you really only have part of the gospel. You all listening to me now. In other words, you know... Um, it's interesting how we celebrate the whole church, uh, whole of Christendom. They celebrate uh, a weekend from Good Friday to Easter, you know, and we celebrate this one weekend that this is the big deal. This is the big daddy. It's where it all happens. It's our biggest event of the year from Good Friday, the death of Christ, to Easter Sunday, the resurrection of Christ. And we celebrate that as a unit, as a one-off event, okay? And then, watch this now, you come on 50 days later after the resurrection to Pentecost, and every year when 50 days later, when you get to the Pentecost Sunday, it goes by without a blip. I mean, hardly anybody today mentions anything about it. I mean, let alone celebrate it at all, let alone to celebrate anywhere near to the degree that we do 
Resurrection Sunday or Good Friday, why do we celebrate those so greatly, but just we just pass with a bit of a yawn Pentecost Sunday? Y'all listen to me now. I'm going somewhere with this, so hang on. Why? And you say, well, why not? I mean, what's the big deal? You know, really, it all happened, really. It all hangs upon those three days. And I want to submit something to you. I want to submit to you that it does not hang on all, just on those three days. That the gospel is not just about three days. It's about 53 days. From the cross to the outpouring of the Spirit at Pentecost. And you say, Rick, how can you do that? Look, I am not diminishing the fact that our salvation, legally, our redemption hangs upon the blood of Christ that was sacrificed there. And, our, and by grace, through faith in that sacrifice, we are saved. But, but. What is it that applies that work of redemption to our lives? I could say today I believe that and have nothing happen to me if 53 days later the Holy Spirit had not been poured out on the day of Pentecost. You with me? In other words, you can believe in the three days and now you can get saved but still be dry as a, a tombstone. Are you with me now? Because the cross in itself is not an end in itself. I want you to get that. Let me say it again. The cross in itself is not an end in itself. The cross is a means to an end. Are you with me now? The cross, the price was paid, and Jesus rose out of the grave, ascended to the right hand of the Father, poured out his blood on the mercy seat of heaven, and sat down at the right hand of God. And after all of that happened, still, if that's all that happened, we would be dead in our sins today. Because there was still yet one more thing that had to happen, and that is that Jesus had to ask the Father to pour out the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, do you all notice that it was not after the resurrection that everything changed? You notice that? Yet Jesus was now living in his glorified body, but that's really all that changed. The disciples were still fearful. They were still in hiding. Are you with me now? But everything changed at the day of Pentecost. Why is that? It's because, listen, the gospel is not just about three days. It's about 53 days. Think of this. When Peter preached his great message, Getting up, basically explaining, you want to know what this means? I'm going to explain to you what this means. And you know how he ends that message? He ends it by saying this. He says, this Jesus, whom you have crucified, whom God has raised from the dead, has ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he's poured out this spirit upon us, which you now see and hear that we're witnesses of. You get that? You see how Peter there, when he in, on the day of Pentecost, he initiates the first gospel message. And when he does, he doesn't just make it about the three days. He says, you crucified him, God raised him, and he's poured out this spirit. That is the gospel. Are you with me? Now, what does that say? Basically, what that tells us is, folks, 
Folks, we ought to have a passion to get every single person baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that people that are not baptized in the Holy Spirit, you know, and, and have this heavenly language and moving in all the gifts and power of God, I'm not saying that they're any a second-rate Christians. They're not. You know, or that we should somehow think of ourselves as elevated or better. you got to be very careful about that. That's not the case at all. But just because that many Christians are not filled with the Holy Spirit and don't walk in the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit, just because that's the case doesn't mean that it shouldn't happen. You with me now? So the thing is, is that I have this deep passion to cry out to the church in this day and hour and to every Christian, everyone, and my appeal to you would be, Listen, if you're not walking in a full experience of the fullness of the Holy Spirit, in other words, every Christian, if you've been baptized, if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, when you if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you should be seeing evidence in that, of that by by manifestations of power. You should be laying hands on sick people from time to time and seeing God heal them. You should even be coming in contact with people who are oppressed of the devil, tormented in their minds, and see yourself speak a word and those demonic forces leave. Are you with me now? All of that is part of the package. Are you with me now? You should see. We like to speak in tongues. Oh, I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. But let me tell you something. The... the, the being baptized in the Spirit is more than about just one gift. There are many gifts of the Holy Spirit. So you, you, if you're baptized in the Spirit, you should be walking in a somewhat regular experience of hearing the voice of God, receiving words of knowledge. Are you with me now? Now, could you let that sink in? Because all that stuff I'm saying there, that stuff for a lot of Christians, even people who've been baptized in the Spirit, they look at it as like, oh, that's for those kind of real radical ones, those ones that are really or either super spiritual. And folks, it's just not. I mean, this is the regular equipment for believers. And why aren't we walking in it? You know, my great cry is to the church. I go to many churches I mean, there's some form of charismatic or Pentecostal or spirit-filled, whatever you want to call them, and there's many different forms. I've gone from some, I just did it last week, a week ago, a little week ago, in Kentucky, did a pastor's conference for a, what would be called a classical Pentecostal denomination, meaning they're the old Pentecostals, you know, and I, I did a conference for their pastors for several days. And, and I'm preaching to them. And then here I am with you, a church like this. I don't want to bear, bury you down with terms, but, you know, I, I like to do it anyway. But, I, I, you know, terms help me. You know, it helps me to put names, frame things, you know. And really, a church like this, you know what, you don't go around saying this, but you know really technically what you are is you are neo-Pentecostals. Now, thank you. You say, what does that mean? I don't have a clue what that means. No, yeah, I do. There are classical Pentecostals, which, you know, are the kind of the original, not original, but from the last century, that really, you know, we would think of when we think of like the real 
with a lot of the old emotionalism associated with it. It was powerful. Don't get me wrong. It was real powerful, but a lot of old cloaked in old clothing. And then you have the charismatic movement. I mean, that, that, the classic Pentecostals came out of Azusa Street. Y'all know about Azusa, you know, back in 1904 to 1906. And the spirit was poured out uh, upon them. Like I, let me st say this. I'm chasing a little rabbit here, but uh, it's a good rabbit, all right? We need to hunt this one down. Do y'all do want this rabbit or should I leave him alone, huh? Th this will lengthen my message, by the way. Do you want this rabbit? No. All right. Anyway, it's like in, in the turn of the 20th century, in other words, 19 into 1901, there were, they estimate worldwide, there's no way they can know really, but they're just saying they're probably around a million, not more than a million spirit-filled, in other words, baptized in spirit, tongue-talking Christians, moving the power of God throughout the whole world, the whole world, a million. In other words, there's always been a remnant all down through church history, always. Don't ever let anybody tell you there has it. Always. In pockets. But in the turn of the century, in, in 1901, there was, they estimated a million worldwide. Then in 1904, uh, the Holy Spirit falls in Los Angeles on the 312 Azusa. It's interesting. We know the address. You know, it was old horse stable. Originally, it was an old Methodist. African Methodist Church, then they, that went out of business, they became a horse stable, and then they cleaned this thing out, and that's where the Holy Spirit fell in Los Angeles. And I love it because out of that, that's why we're here today in essence. All of Pentecostalism has come out, every spirit-filled group, every different kind has come out of uh, Azusa Street. Isn't that interesting? And we owe it all to Azusa Street. And you know what's interesting, what I find interesting? This is in the divine providential humor of God. But you know who led, you know who, who led, uh, as far as the human instrument was that led Azusa Street? It was a black man. It was a black man who had one eye, one eye, and his name was William Seymour. And I love this. Isn't it the divine providential humor of God? to take a one-eyed black man named Seymour to teach us all how to see more. Isn't that amazing? Don't you love that? And I'm, I'm serious. I, that is the providence of God. There's no question about it. In uh, God's teaching us that he brings us this treasure in earthen vessels, that the glory may not be of us, but it may be of God. And so out of Azusa... There's a powerful move of the Holy Spirit. By the way, in that two years, there was such power. You know, there was a whole, I don't know how much y'all are interested in this, but it, this stuff, I love this stuff. It helps me. That back in the, 18, in the 19th century, you know, that there was a move called the holiness movement. They believed in a baptism of the Holy Spirit, but it did not include the gifts of the Spirit, like tongues, speaking in tongues. For them, the baptism of the Spirit was a baptism into holiness. It was a sanctification of the inner life. But what's interesting is, is that when Azusa came along, that many of the majority of the people at first that started Azusa were the holiness crowd, which is interesting. And they all come and they get baptized in the Holy Spirit with this sign 
of a heavenly language, which they always from the beginning looked upon tongues as a sign of power. That if you spoke in tongues, it wasn't just about the language itself, but it was a sign that the kingdom has come in power to do all kinds of things to crush the head of the enemy. Isn't that interesting? And so when we out of that, in, the, in those first two years at Azusa from 1904 to 1906, there were 38 missionaries that were sent out around the world to other countries that began to spread, uh, you know, uh, begin to spread the, uh, uh, the Pentecostal movement, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And forward, forward now, and you know now as of today, actually 2014, do you know that the, they put the number of people that are baptized in the Holy Spirit, Pentecostal Christians in the world, as 714 million. 700, and it's growing, it's growing at such a pace that probably, they haven't done another figure yet, as I know, another study, but it's probably over a billion now. Isn't it interesting? Now, I tell you all that to say this. Now, don't miss this. This is huge. I tell you all that to say this. If that's the case, there's a billion? Then it's like immediately many of our brains would start thinking and say, wait a minute, I don't buy that because I sure don't see it around us in our world. Where is all that billion? Good question, and I'm going to tell you where they are. The majority of them are not here in America, and they're not in Europe. They're not in the Western world used to be the majority of spirit-filled Pentecostals were in the Western world. But today, 75% of all spirit-filled Christians are in developing countries in the majority world. Y'all listen to me now. You say, why in the world does that make any difference to me? A lot of difference. It's because in the majority world, where all this 75% of Pentecostals are today, that they are, that the church is growing so rapidly in many places they can't even hardly keep track of it. It's amazing in China how fast it's growing. In Iran, in persecuted lands, it's growing unbelievably fast. I Man just said, Iran, who would have guessed that? And do you know that in these places like in China, in China, that Almost all of the church, rapid church growth is through spirit-filled Christians. In Iran, basically the whole of the advance of the church in Iran is through Christians baptized in the Holy Spirit. And this is happening throughout Asia and throughout Africa, throughout South America, all of Latin America. And the thing is this, wherever Christianity is experiencing a full, robust experience of, of the Holy Spirit, in other words, moving in power, signs and wonders, then the church is growing incredibly fast. But in the Western world, like in America, what's happening right now, and it has been for decades, is that we have left really our roots. What happens now in so many spirit-filled churches is that they call themselves a Pentecostal or charismatic church. Oh, that's what we are. Or in your individual life, yes, that's what I am. But what they mean by that is that I've had an experience some time ago 
number of years ago, I can point back to, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I spoke in tongues, and then we checked that box off, and now we've moved on, and we don't move in any of the power of what we've been baptized in. Y'all listen to me now. Shake that bush. All right, I shook it. I shook it good enough that time. I'll go on. Listen. And so what happens is, is we're relegated in this nation, in the Western world, to this Pentecostalism that really is just, well, I speak in tongues. You know, it's like, you know, and so I, I, I'm, I'm spirit-filled because I speak in tongues. And I just want to tell you something. You do not qualify to spirit uh, spirit filled if you don't if all you do is speak in tongues. The Bible says Paul says in Ephesians five that we are to be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul says to Timothy in Second Timothy chapter two, he says Timothy stir up the gift of the Spirit that's in you. Are you with me now? And so there's to be a full robust manifestation of the thing. What I'm appealing for. Here and other places as I go is to, is for people to rise up, I mean, in faith and start tapping in to what you've got on the inside of you. We just let it lie dormant to the point that in, then eventually even spirit-filled Christians even quit speaking in tongues. They quit praying in tongues. They pray in tongues very little. I saw a study done of the assemblies of God, not picking on them, but it's just the only church uh, denomination I saw this study on, in the Assemblies of God, who is a spirit-filled, I mean, they're probably they're the largest classical Pentecostal denomination. If it's, in their, it's in their doctrine, their charter, you know, baptized in the Holy Spirit, all these manifestations of the Spirit. And yet, 30 years, 32 years ago, they did a study throughout the Assemblies of God, and they found out that only 30% of us of the members of the Assemblies of God spoke in tongues today, 30%. That was 32 years ago. Two years ago, they did the same study again, 30 years later now, two years ago, and they found out that now only 5% of members in the Assemblies of God speak in tongues. Isn't that interesting? It tells you something's happened over these past several decades. It's in our culture period to where that we're not careful in church as Christians we're becoming naturalized, materialized by our very culture that we live in. You all with me now? Does this mean anything to you? Man, going on like this stuff is, I mean, I know I'm sound like, well, he's going on with a lot of different stuff. That I think, you know, does that really matter? To me, this stuff is huge. I mean, I don't know if you get it, but I mean, it's huge. You know, we, we, we're in danger of being sucked in by our culture. You know, to where that we 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 have this great heritage of being spirit-filled Christians, but then we're leaving it gradually behind, not by denunciation, but by abdication. You know, by just by just leaving it lie dormant, and we go on, and we no longer are, are bothered by not having any kind of manifestation of the kingdom in our life, manifestations of the spirit. And so anyway, it's like there, there's this idea that you can, you know, well, it's like we'll just have church and then conduct our lives as Christians, but we'll just lead our lives with our heads 
And I want to tell you something. That's, to me, I, I'm not pray, preaching on tongues today, but if I were, this is one of the main things I would say. The reason speaking in tongues, praying in tongues, praising in tongues, the reason it's so important, among several others, one of the main reasons it's so important is because when you pray in tongues, the Bible, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, you are not speaking to men, but you're speaking to God. You're talking directly to God. Listen to this. It's so important. Back to this thought. Remember, we're in danger of getting sucked into the materialist mindset of our culture where we don't need the spiritual things of our Christianity, you know, which is ridiculous, you know. I don't need those supernatural things. You with me now? The reason you need these, you need tongues, because first of all, tongues is the gateway, to me anyway, to the rest of the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. I didn't say it's the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't believe that. I believe any kind of manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit can be evidence of, the, of you being baptized in the Holy Spirit. But praying in tongues, the regular experience of praying in tongues, praising in tongues, begins to uh, uh, stir up the gift of the Holy Spirit inside of you because you're speaking to God, not to men. Why is that important? You say, I'm speaking to God in English when I'm praying, so what's the big deal? What's the difference? I'll tell you the difference. The difference is in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 28, hallelujah, Paul says this. He says, let me tell you something. He says, there are times that you don't know how to pray for things like you ought to. You don't have the words to say. You don't know the, have the knowledge of what to pray for, how to articulate it. You're just at a stump. You ever been like that? And he said, when you do, he said, that's when the Holy Spirit comes along. It says there with groanings which cannot be uttered, which in the Greek, it says, it says unintelligent speech. And I like that because although I believe it could be more than tongues, certainly tongues is included there, a language that is unintelligible to your natural mind. You tap into, you're speaking, God, by the Holy Spirit inside of you, things back to God that you don't know how to pray with your brain. So when I get stumped and come to a roadblock, when I don't know what I know, know what, I don't know what to pray for, I kick over into the language of the Holy Spirit, and immediately I'm speaking a language that's speaking mysteries, the Bible says, to God. I'm speaking the language of heaven, and I'm speaking the knowledge. I'm speaking God's word back to him about this situation. Does that make sense? I love that. I love I love tongues. It's so important. It's not babble. Do you understand that? It's not babble. It's not, it's, it's, it's so beautiful. It's a, it's lang a language or languages as sure as the language you speak in English. You say languages, they mean the more? Yes, they're probably, the Bible says, Paul says that we speak in, we can speak in the language of, in the tongues of angels and men. 
I mean, who knows what kind of languages we're speaking. I've been praying in tongues at times and been kind of conscious, like I go from one language to another. I was praying in tongues one time. Actually, I was, it was speaking in tongues. I was just like this. I was preaching, and I guess I just went over in tongues a bit. And at the end of the service, a man came up to me I'd never met, and he said to me, he said, so he said, so you know Hebrew, huh? I said, no, I don't know Hebrew. What are you talking about? He said, well, whenever you were, he, he said, standing up there, he said, I'm a Jew. And he said, when you were up there, he said, you started speaking in Hebrew. And you started saying things that about, I, Jesus says, I am the Messiah. I am the coming king. I am the one who has come to redeem you of your sins. And, I, da, da, and praise, praise to the Messiah, the King of kings, Lord of He said, you were saying things like that in Hebrew while I was speaking in tongues. And I didn't know that. Who knows all the different languages? I'm just saying that to say, folks, listen. One of the things that bombards people's brains that keeps them from praying in tongues or praising in tongues is they lose confidence in it because they think, listen to this, they think it's them and not God. It's just me. You know, is it really real? And I'm going to tell you something. The thing is, is, folks, it is you. But it is God. It's not God speaking. And it's not you speaking. It's you and God speaking. The Bible says in Hebrews, I mean, in Acts 2, 4, it, the Bible, the, Luke says that he said, and they spoke. They spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In other words, the Spirit gave the language, but they opened up and spoke. And the Lord showed it to me like this one time. It helped me so much. Actually, I saw this study that was done back in 2008, which is, I, I love this. There was a study done. You know they do all kinds of studies. I mean, if they can spend millions of dollars studying the mating habits of fruit flies, I mean, you know, Lord. So they did a study at the University of Pennsylvania on speaking in tongues at a secular university, University of Pennsylvania, on speaking in tongues. And I saw the whole report of this thing, uh, of this study, and what happened is they brought these people into a room, and uh, one by one, and the doctors would be there, and they hooked all kinds of these, what do you call them, nodes or what are, what are these things, electrodes, on their brain to read the different parts of the brain, listen to this, and then they would say, okay, do it. Do what? Go ahead, speak in tongues, pray to And so these Christians, and they were beautiful. I, I saw the video of this. Like, they were so beautiful. They were, they were the real deal. And, they, and so like this one African-American woman, she starts speaking in tongues. And what's interesting is this. Then they tell her, say, speak in English. Then they'd say, now just speak in a foreign. She, they chose people that could also speak in a foreign language. Speak in a foreign language. When they spoke in an English or in a foreign language, that the language part of the brain fired up. It was all red. You could see it on the screen. The, it was the language part of the brain, in other words, where, where the brain was taking information and feeding it to the language part of the brain, it was all fired up. When they spoke a foreign language, same thing. Listen to this. When they spoke in tongues, the language center of the brain went completely silent. Well, went silent. 
Now watch this. It didn't go completely silent. And I love this. It went almost completely silent. And then they had the people, they said, well, now speak in gibberish. In other words, because it sounds like gibberish to, to us, this tongue. Speak in gibberish. And so now they spoke in gibberish, not tongues, but just yabba, yabba, dabba, dooba, dabba, dabba, whatever. They spoke in gibberish, something that didn't make sense. And when they did, Pastor, do you know that this, the screen, the language center of the brain, fired up all red again? So it wasn't just a language they can understand or a known language. When they, when they spoke this gibberish, it fired up. They went back to speaking in tongues, and it went almost silent. But this is interesting. There was a little bit of red there still. But then the doctors went out of the room with each person, with each patient. And when they went out of the room, they first discovered this accidentally with the first one. They would be talking in there. And while they're out of the room, the person in the room did not know they were still being recorded. And they started praying in tongues just out of worship or whatever while the doctors were out of the room. And when the doctors looked at the screen, when they were praying in tongues while they were out of the room, the, the scan, scan went completely silent. There wasn't one firing at all. When the doctors came back in the room and said, now pray in tongues, the screen, the firing went almost silent, but still there was a little bit. What does that tell you? Have you ever been like I have in a room? I've been in the church praying in the daytime, praying, praying in tongues. And then all of a sudden I hear the door open and somebody's walking in the room. And I feel self-conscious of what's going on. And so I'm still praying in the Holy Ghost, but I'm aware that something else is going on. Y'all with me now? Ah, I like this. I mean, even the accident blesses me. Listen to this. Because I saw what's happening here. These people, when the doctors were in the room, they were still self-conscious of being watched over this. So there was still a little firing. But once the doctors got outside of the room and it was just them and God alone, all of a sudden the brain went completely silent. Ah, hallelujah. It went completely silent. The reason is, is because that language, this is the way God showed it to me years ago. That when we're speaking in English, it's like our tongue is hooked up to our brain. And it's like we're just, and it's just drawing on the brain, drawing on the brain. And all it means is when we speak in tongues is we're unhooking our tongue from our brain. And we're hooking it up to our spirit. And we're just drawing from a different place. And it's the Holy Ghost that gives us the language of heaven. Isn't that awesome? Hallelujah. Come on, let's rejoice in God right now. We rejoice in you, O oh God. We praise you, O oh God. Father, we love you. I tell you, I'm finished right now. I just, I, I, I have a tendency to want to go on. I've got a bunch of things I want to say, but if I do, I'll keep here too long. So, and, and this nice, I'm going to be nice. You don't, you don't care, do you? you don't, he does. You don't care. He does. Mr. Time Clock, he cares. You don't care. Matt don't care, do you? He cares. But I say, who cares? Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah. I don't know. I feel something in this place, don't you? I just feel like we all, that are all filled with the Spirit, I think we ought to all just start crying out in tongues 
either in prayer or in worship. How about in worship? Just let that land. And do it with a new faith, a confidence that you're hooking your tongue up to your spirit and you're speaking language from God, mysteries from God, things that you don't know how to speak or praise or worship. Come on, do it right now. Just speak it out. Come on, cry it out. Bravo, stay. Levra baban zondole levreste. Levra baba soto cholo vadabaka se chehe. Levre. Levra banja tolo lovre bebe de kishon dolorovra bahar. Levra bahavro borokere kisha karavarabo oche. Levra banja tolo vrebe se chongra kakaya se kotiche. Father, I just pray that you would take this morning and God just rekindle, rekindle a fire in brothers and sisters here this morning. God, stir up their well. Stir up the well of their spirit, God. And God, with a new, fresh gush of tongues, language of heaven, and not just tongues, but Lord God, that that may open the door for the gifts of the spirit. God, open their hearts and their minds for a fresh outpouring of the words of knowledge, words of wisdom. Oh, God, the gift of faith, the discerning of spirits, the gifts of healing, the working of miracles. Let these, yeah, my God, I feel God's doing something right now. Just receive that. Lord, Holy Spirit, come. Come upon this place and pour out your spirit right now, oh God. Fill this house with your glory, God. Fill my brothers and sisters, God, with your presence. Oh God, yeah, God, give them a fresh touch of heaven. In the name of Jesus, awaken, oh God, awaken them, God. Awaken my brothers and sisters. Oh, God, to the gifts of the Spirit. Father, to hear your voice. To hear your voice. Father, move, God, through them with the gifts of healing, God. Laying hands on the sick. Casting out demons. Father, God, I pray, God, stir up in them, my brothers and sisters here a new boldness, God. Just like they prayed in Acts 4, God, for boldness. God, I ask you for boldness for my brothers and sisters. For boldness over this entire house. God, that we may not be satisfied with an anemic, anemic Christianity, an anemic baptism of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray, work in us a robust baptism. So, Lord, I just pray, fall upon my brothers and sisters now. Just receive this. Fall upon them. God, clothe them with your power. Let your glory, your glory rest upon them now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let your tangible presence come as fire, as fire, and burn upon my brothers and sisters. God, let your presence come uh, uh, as oil the oil of heaven, and pour over their souls, Lord God. Refresh them, Lord God. Refresh them, God. We just thank you, and we just bless you, Father. 
In Jesus Christ's name, we praise you. We praise you, we praise you, we praise you. We worship you, Jesus. I tell you, if anybody feels, uh, you feel the tangible presence of God, the tangible anointing of the Holy Spirit upon you, and, um, and uh, you know, if you want to, just come up here and I will lay hands on you. Because you say, why, do you, why for those who are already experiencing something, I'm just cooperating with what God's already doing. If God's, if I see God doing something, or if you, you God's hands upon you, if you're being touched in a tangible way by His presence, just come up here right now. I just want to minister to you, pray for you. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Everybody else, just stay in His presence. Just stand in His presence. Just stand in His presence. My, 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 here it comes. Here it comes with great power and glory in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Filled from the top of your head to the, yeah, that's it right there. Filled in the name of, my goodness. Fresh fire from heaven. Fresh fire from heaven. That's it. Lord, that's it. Just baptize him with the Holy Ghost in fire. Yes, Lord. Burn through him, God. Burn in him, God. Your holy fire. Burn through him, your holy fire. In the name of Jesus. Right there. That's it. Just take that. Fresh fire. Fresh fire. In the name of Jesus. Right there. <laughs> fire of God just burned. Fire of God. Fire of heaven just fall upon my dear brother, this young man. Yeah, right there. More, more, more. Woo! My goodness. More. More of his fire. More of his fire. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, yeah. Name of Jesus. The name of Jesus, cobreste. In the name of Jesus. Woo, right there, my goodness. Power of God, come upon me. Touch it. Fresh fire. Yeah, right there. More. 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 More of his fire right there. In the name of Jesus. We worship you. We bless you. Well, isn't the Lord good? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is that it? Are you up here for that? You right here? Yeah, just. <laughs> she said, God bless America, Jesus. <laughs> I said, That's right. God bless America, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's right. Never the same in the name of Jesus. 
Thank you, Father. Well, we thank you. Somebody rejoice and give thanks to Jesus. Lord, we just thank you so much for what you're doing in this place. If you receiving ministry from God, if he's ministering to you right now, I just want to encourage you, uh, don't feel like you got to jump out of that place. You know, there's been many times where the power of God has come upon me, and I just sort of forget everyone else is in the room. And about the time that that moment with God is finishing up, and i sort of am aware of my surroundings again it, it's been like 30 minutes or an hour or whatever and all I can say is I'm just glad that I didn't jump up in two minutes <laughs> you know after God was doing something and so you you can just stay right where you are in that place let God continue to minister to you there's many times where you're going to leave and and you're going to continue God's going to continue to minister to you throughout the day and throughout the night. And there'll be these sort of like waves that will come in these stronger, more intense moments. The most important thing that we can do is just yield. Just yield and allow God to just pour, to give you that full expression of whatever it is he wants to do in this particular experience. Amen? Amen. So be encouraged in that as you go or you stay and linger in this place. We'll just kind of keep some worship music playing. And if as we go, we'll fellowship as well. And just celebrate everything that God is doing here in this house, right? Because this looks like his church. This looks like his church. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Jesus, you be elevated in this house. J Jesus, your name be lifted high. We give you glory. We give you honor. We want no work of man, but we want every work of you, God. And so it's, if it's of you, we want it, and we want it in fullness. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. All right, we'll go in the peace and favor of God. You look beautiful. Have a wonderful day.